Hey there, military millionaires. I'm your host, Alexander Felice, the great, the greatest, the best there is, the best there ever was, and the best there ever will be. And my glorious co-host next to me, David Prey. Uh, he's not that good. David, we're going to do a show with no guests today. It's just going to be you and me. We're going to update. Um, we're going to update our listeners on what we got going on. We're going to talk about the crypto mania. We're going to talk about our fabulous new sponsors, which I'm incredibly excited about. And I think we're going to make this a regular segment. Are we not? Yeah. We're going to make, we're going to make this a once, once a month say ish segment where you and I kind of do our thing and then we'll do it with a little, little less guests. And for our listeners, I want to explain that's going to save us a little bit on logistics. I think that's actually going to create a better listening um, experience for people who are like regulars because they can hear more about our stuff, which, you know, everybody wants to hear more about anyway. <laughs> so we get to add some more value. We get to create a little bit uh, more dynamic content because we'll be able to mix it up more. And um, yeah, I like it. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle 1, you're cleared to depart friendly lines. Roger. Vic One, Oscar Mike. Hey guys, I want to interrupt this episode for just one minute to bring you a message from our sponsor for this episode, Rentometer. Now, whether you already have an established rental business or you're analyzing your first deal, knowing the correct rental income is absolutely crucial to lowering investment risk and optimizing your rental income. That's why our go-to source for rental data is Rentometer. Real estate professionals rely on Rentometer because it's the fastest and easiest way to access quality rental data throughout the U.S. Now, don't take our word for it. Rentometer provides over 500,000 rent reports every single month and gets rave reviews from its customers. In fact, when I first became a real estate investor, Rentometer saved me $100 a month on my first property, which would pay for the entire Rentometer membership if you paid for the membership right off the bat. They have a free option to give it a trial. I use Rentometer Pro. It's absolutely worth your time. I still use it to verify my rent when I'm analyzing properties, and it saved me or rather earned me extra thousands of dollars over the last few years in rental income, and I absolutely recommend that you give it a shot. So go to rentometer.com today to start your free seven-day trial and grow your rental business smarter with Rentometer, or click the link down in the show notes, and that'll take you right there. Now let's dig into this show. Yeah, the benefit for this, for those of you listening, is that, I, why do I always fucking say that? For those of you listening, you wouldn't be hearing this if you weren't listening. So I don't know why I say that. I just realized that I'm going to stop saying that shit eventually, but feel free to call me out on it in the comments. Uh, but the benefit for this is that Alex and I are obviously very active real estate investors, very active on the entrepreneur side, the personal development side, the you know community side, the networking side, whatever. You guys know a bunch about our story, but every episode we ask people questions about them, which is great. And we get to learn from them and we get to hear their viewpoints and this and the other. And we kind of back and forth it, but we don't always get to really bring in our thoughts on things or debate stuff. And we thought it'd be a lot of fun to be able to talk kind of not necessarily current events always, but like what's going on in our lives, what we're personally learning, what we're personally struggling with, what we're, you know, whatever. So this is going to end up being like an Alex and I just back and forth, normal conversation where we hope you get a ton of stuff out of it tonight. We're going to talk a lot about uh, crypto assets, cryptocurrency, and some of the volatility in the market right now and some of the uh, FOMO and hype that's going on. Um, and I also want to just real quick before we start point out that I think it's hilarious that the, when I let Alex introduce me, he, he always points like the zoom, like people know where this direction is instead of like at the camera or whatever. When he, when he says my co-host, he's like points at wherever I am on the zoom screen for him, which I think is hilarious. So if you're watching this, you probably noticed that and you're like, what is he pointing at? <laughs> but <laughs> no, what pisses me off is that, um, what, how it records on zoom differently than you, <laughs> you're, you're going to be pointing opposite. the opposite yeah, direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David over here. And it's different every time. What a scam. What a fucking scam. Oh my God. They did, you know, they did that on purpose just to make me look like a jackass. Which admittedly. Zoom 
knows who you are and they literally built their entire platform to spite you. That's what I heard. I get it. I get it. You should I have mean, invested in them. That's that's a high level troll. I heard they came just to you to invest. And then you were like, dumb idea. You can't afford me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, okay. So I'll give a little preface to why I mentioned crypto, crypto, cryptocurrency hype and FOMO, because obviously none of those are things we really talk about on this show, right? We, we do, we focus, Alex and I are both more uh, long-term investors and much, I don't want to say much safer. I'm very like, all about risk. I'm, I'm a little bit too far the opposite of risk averse, but obviously prefer to play more, I don't want to say intelligent, but well, like tried and true invested me- investment methods, index funds, thrift savings plan, uh, diversity, long-term buy and holds rather than playing hype FOMO and, and kind of gambling on the new thing. Although I have like my current portfolio, I have about 2% of my, about 2% of my net worth in crypto. And I, do dabble a little bit in all kinds of things. But what we started to notice, what I noticed today on my Facebook group is just the craziness of people who are brand new to the world of investing that are saying things with absolutes like this will happen and, and not based on sound principles or, or genuine understanding of the asset class or the long-term deviations and things to be, but based on, I made some money, therefore I will continue to make money. Or so-and-so is going to talk about like literally this week, the post that drove me nuts was like, Hey, Elon Musk is going on SNL, so you need to buy this Doge because when he talks about it, it'll go up. And it's like, that's the worst way you could ever invest, especially because that that point is probably already priced into Doge by the time that he actually talks about it. But I don't know. Um, so look, uh, there's this thing called market fundamentals, right? It's the same reason why Tesla's overpriced. And so it's like, you have to make a profit and then you get... Uh, you get your, your stock is worth something based on what you make price per earnings, price per earnings across the border, way too high, way, way, way too high. But we're in a, some call it a bubble. It's probably a bubble. It's been a bubble for a little while, especially in the, uh, in, in the equities and that's runoff to Bitcoin. The problem with Bitcoin is that the fanatics, the people who don't really understand investing or just learned it or they 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 what they say is well crypto is different so none of the old rules apply and so you really can't have any discussion with them because it's like it literally is like a religious fanatic yeah right they're like you know my god beats up your god and you know if you don't agree then you just don't understand and it's uh, i have no problem with this because i don't really have any interest in talking having that dialogue with those people anyways but the, the funny thing to me is they act like that the Bitcoin goes on these totally different market fundamentals, but I always am curious. I'm like, what are you buying the, what are you buying the crypto with? Are you buying it with cash? Interesting. <laughs> so we are in a uh, high inflationary environment. Everybody is saying it. Yellen came out today, the treasury secretary and said, Hey, we should probably raise rates because the market's getting overheated. Um, we know inflation's coming. Powell, the federal reserve, federal reserve chairman has talked about it. Warren Buffett came out again today and said, Hey, we are seeing inflation. It is getting priced in. We are getting it priced from our vendors. It is here. Um, if you have bought anything over the last few weeks, you've probably noticed price coming up. I mean, and so the stimulus checks and inflation were, let's say, much of it was politically driven. You know, oh, people are starving in the streets, need to get this $1,400. And I'm like, if they're starving in the streets, $1,400 over 18 months isn't going to save them. And then next thing you know, I'm like, yo. No, it shouldn't uh, have been Sony- bl- blanketed for everyone either. It should have specifically targeted those people who were actually like starving in the streets. That's a but bad, you, that's a, that's I a, agree, but. That, that argument doesn't work because it's the federal government. They either have to write a check or they have to do it by the state and then it takes too long. So the idea is mm. if you want to get it fast, you got to go inefficient. Yeah. If you want to get it targeted, you got to go state by state, county by county. And it would have taken too long. Yeah. Even it took a long time anyways. Point is these people got four, was it four stimulus checks now? Plus Three or four. unbelievable unemployment benefits, right? I can't hire anybody because they're making more unemployment no than I can. choke me neither. I'm so, trying. So they're telling me in, during Christmas that people are starving in the streets and Sony and Microsoft sold more PlayStation 5s and new Xboxes than they ever sold in the whole wide world ever. Record numbers. You still can't and buy now, a PS5. All that, all that, what did I say? No, I'm saying you still can't buy them. Like even yeah, now. right. So- so all of this excess liquidity 
which has been high for a long time because like what's going on is they're printing money. So cash value is going down. So get the fuck out of cash. And then rates are low. So people are like pouring into equities, pouring into equities. And now with the hype of crypto, it's been going on for a while. They're just pouring the liquidity into that asset class. And they're like, well, it's going up. And, you know, bro, the, it really comes down to this. The game is long. The game is very long. People are trying to get rich in the quarter. They're trying to get rich in three years. They're like, well, I made such, such and such over crypto for five years. Let me tell you something. The economy has been fake since 2017. So any money that anybody, myself included, that has made since 2017 has been on the back of the artificially low rates. And um, I mean, that's, and now the, you know, now the stimulus check since 2000 and what, uh, was it 19? That was the first one is when 20, 2020, like March, 20. March, 2020. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. So we are living in a fake economy driven by artificially low rates and high inflation, and it will correct one day. And I don't know what that'll look like. Maybe Bitcoin and, and crypto will bubble. Maybe it won't. Maybe those things will last a long time. I actually, what the, the thing that people aren't addressing is they're saying crypto is fundamentally a different entity than, than fiat currency. Sure. I mean, you're still buying it with cash, but we can ignore that. But what they, what the pro, they're underread in terms of cultural movements. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, the government is only going to let this go on so long before somebody, an 18-year-old kid is going to lose his life savings. Yep. An 18-year-old kid is out there or a, a bunch of families are out there and they're putting leverage to buy Bitcoin. Did you know this is happening? And people are going to get pain from this. And then the government's going to come in and regulate. And you know how they're going to regulate? They're going to say, don't worry, we saved it. The Federal Reserve is going to come out with a crypto dollar. People say, crypto is going to be around forever. I 100% agree. It will be backed by the federal government. The Chinese are coming out with the digital one. I mean, this is, this is not even a secret. This is publicly announced. People are just, they can't, they're blinded by the hype. So I am not a crypto, well, let's say, I'll be okay to be a crypto bear, a skeptic, right? I'm okay with that. Um, I love that people are making money. I'm sad that I'm not making as much money. I only have like $2,500 in crypto. I wish I had, I wish I had more. I don't know how they can afford it. Honestly, if I had a hundred, if when I had, let's see, if I had a hundred thousand dollars in cash, I'd probably only spend five grand on crypto. I don't know how these people have 20 or $30,000 in cash. Uh, it must be an unbelievable high percentage of their liquid and net worth. I, I think a lot of it is genuinely like the entire, I had someone post the other day, I have $3,000, which coin should I buy? It's like, bro, buy some books. That person's probably young. So if you're really young, yeah. it's like, you know what? I don't really care. You're going to get some wins. You're going to get some losses. But look, you know, Warren Buffett came out a couple of years ago and made a bet. Uh, it was many years ago, but he won it. Right. And it was like, I bet you that the, the ETF that follows the market will beat all of the stock picking investors on earth over a long time. And they did that bet over like 20 years and he won because you can't beat the market because it's mathematically, com it's complicated to say it out, like to verbalize it, but it's just, it's hard to beat. It's like rolling dice and beating 50% over 20 years. It's just, the odds are going to work, but you're going to get the average. So yeah, I say with, all that to without say- Without factoring, um, oh, sorry. No, no, please go ahead. I was going to say, with, and that's without factoring in the fact that you're going to pay higher fees and a whole lot more in taxes by making all those individual transactions, which nobody wants to account for in all of their massive winnings in crypto is how much they're going to get hit with a tax bill. They're not going to pay taxes. A lot of them uh, are not going to pay taxes. The government's going to come in and they're going to wet. Well, Coinbase is not public. So they're going to be issuing everybody 1099s, uh, uh, W9s. Yeah. Right. 1099R, whatever it is. They're going to be issuing, yep. you're going to be paying your taxes. Well, people still won't pay them because, you know, again, there's so many, the thing that's new about this is um, you never used to be able to do it with this guy. <clears throat> you never able to, use to do it with the cell phone. Now you can do it with a cell phone and the transactional costs are low or free. And so people can, they can rush in and they can get their, their stimmy check and they can go spend it right away. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I hope nobody uh, loses too bad, but the game is long. The game is very long. And People that are spending their time learning deeply, learning crypto is admirable because it's not going anywhere. Crypto as a technology is not going anywhere. People who are trying to, you know, do this get rich quick scheme, it's like fine. It's like playing the lottery, or it's like it's like going to Vegas. You go to Vegas, 
you know, you put $100,000 on red, you win. It's like, bro, you got to be done. Because statistically, every time you play Vegas, for the rest of your life, you're going to be dwindling down to where you, you even back out and go to a negative. So if you win in crypto and you, it's like, dude, sell it and run. Because the longer you play, the longer the statistical um, odds are that you're going to come out to a loss or average market gains. Yep. And just to throw this out there, because this is going to come off like too old freaking, what's the, what's the term for that everyone uses for old people now, even though it's not wise. A, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is going to come off like two old dudes talking about crypto, like they're skeptics, but like for one, I'm reading my like third book on crypto assets right now. I'm reading like books that aren't even on audiobook that I had to like physically read to like try to understand blockchain and all that. I, uh, I spent 1700 bucks this month on hard drives and SSD cards. And I'm, I'm starting to mine a new coin called Chia. Like I'm all about learning and understanding this technology. I have, I have no qualms, no doubts that crypto and blockchain will absolutely change the future, right? Like we don't disagree with that, but I still am being cautious about how I implement it in my own personal investing strategies. And I would rather be on the selling of the shovels than the rushing for gold side of crypto, as well as having it as a small, I think I'm the book I'm reading right now really walked through some really great examples of why like having one to 2% in Bitcoin or crypto and that extremely volatile asset actually balances out your portfolio. But when it becomes a very large portion of your portfolio and you're banking on it, it's not that smart. Um, and we talk price to earnings ratios. Oh yeah, there you go. Yep, Nassim. Anti-fragile. If, you, if you've ever heard me talk, I've mentioned a guy named Nassim Taleb. And one of the principles that he lives by is anti-fragile, uh, well, uh, this thing called barbell. And the idea is first, and this is the part everybody's missing, first protect the downside. That means invest in a way that you can live on your terms, low or no risk. Ideally, you'd live off of bonds. You'd live off a 3% bond, right? Yeah. And you live that way and you live light. And then everything else, you make small bets on unlimited upside, but high risk deals. And you lose all the time. And you lose, you lose, you lose, you lose, you lose. You're going to lose 90%, you know? But that 10% is when you put $50,000 into um, Dogecoin at a penny and then it hits a dollar. And you're like, fucking millionaire. Have it's I told like, you my, oh, sorry. No, please. Have I told you my like current crypto strategy, what I've been doing? No. I feel like you might appreciate this, although you might not. You might call me an idiot. But just keep in mind that all of the money I'm playing with is 100% profit. So when when the market tanked in March, tanked, quote unquote, market tanked in March, I took the stimulus, the first one, and I threw it into like five or six stocks that I feel felt were shoe-ins, Boeing and some other stuff that I felt like, okay, this is going to come back up, at least somewhat. I took, it was like $700 that I came up within like the next 45 days. And I literally took everything else, sold all my principal, took that $700 and was like, cool, I'm going to go gamble on some crypto. And I took that 700 bucks and I put 200 in Doge when it was a third of a penny because I was like, ah, it's a funny coin, that'll whatever. And then I put like a couple hundred bucks here, 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 whatever. Doge obviously exploded. So I pulled, I took my like 200 bucks that I put in there, pulled 2000 out, dumped it. Cause I was like, yeah, cool. Good with that. Literally what I've been doing is I've just opened Coinbase or whatever app I'm using. If a coin drops 20 to 25% in a day, I put hundred bucks in it. And I am up from that, like 700 bucks. I got like $8,500 today sitting in this account. And it's literally just, you know, whenever something tanks, I'm like, yeah, fuck it. And the only, like, there's only like two coins that I actually am like, okay, yeah, this one has some, some potential that I'm invested in. Uh, and, the, but the rest of it, like I had one, I had like two or 300 bucks in and it went to 3000. So I've got like 30 coins that I've put a hundred bucks into over time and three of them have hit. And that's a, I mean, that just goes to show, right? Like that's if the three, if one or two or three hit you, you know, your portfolio goes up and you can afford the risk on the other ones. You just sell them out if they're not going to win or you hold them for a while or whatever. Um, but it literally is just speculation for me. There's no, I'm not doing any math on a lot of those. I'm just saying, Oh, it dropped. Here you go. Um, yeah. So it is speculative. So yeah, to your point about sounding like a bunch of old guys just ranting about this, it's like, you know what? Um, if you're going to go off there and make money, go and make money. But I'll tell you, um, it is like the gold rush. Like, 
get there, get your money and get out because this is not a sustainable strategy. And especially for the, the fanatic believers that were like, I'm never going to sell. It's going to drop. You're married to your position. Well, even if you don't, even if you're, even if you don't, even if you doesn't drop, you're just, you can't sell, you know, you're just stuck in this, in this quagmire of like, oh, well now I have $30,000 of Dogecoin. It's like, if it, even if it holds, it's like, what are you going to, what are you going to do with that? Well, let's play, let's play the Dogecoin analogy real quick. Right. So let's say Doge goes to a dollar, which is what everyone thinks. That's like all the, I haven't heard anyone say Doge going to 10 or a hundred. I've heard everyone saying a dollar, right? That's the, just, it's, let's it's get just a round number. They're just guessing. It's yeah. Not, well, well exactly. There's no reason why it should be worth anything. So the only reason I bring $1 up Every day, Dogecoin creates 14 million, and I think it's like 14 million, 400 coins, whatever. It's one coin per minute. So whatever that number. So anyway, not one coin. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, 14 million coins every day, infinite supply. So just to do the basic math for everybody who doesn't believe that there's a downside to this thing. If it reaches a dollar, that means that every day, 14 million new dollars need to flow into Dogecoin without a single dollar flowing out of Dogecoin in order to sustain, right? Like mathematically, if we just talk market cap, 14 million new coins equals 14 million new dollars invested, nobody sells. That's a pretty crazy thing to assume that this is going to be able to sustain indefinitely because there is no cap on this coin. So that's just I don't, food for thought. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody listening is going, oh, these two knuckleheads don't know what they're talking about. This is a good investment. I think everybody thinks it's a joke they're making money and so they're like let's have fun while it lasts which is fine all for it but it's like yeah but it's um but you should at but, least sell your principal out so you can't lose while you're ahead to me it's like it's just a lot of precious time wasted on on when you could be learning how to do things that make money for the long run but i guess i'm more risk averse than other people yeah. I mean, but then there's, you brought up the other, uh, you brought up the PE ratio earlier, right? And you mentioned, you mentioned Tesla because I know you and I've talked about that. So Tesla today at current price, PE ratio, 1099.9. And the fact that I find interesting about Tesla for, for those, it should be like, it should be like, it should be like, just to be clear, it should be like 25. I was gonna say the S and P 500 averages between 12 and 25, right? Like that's the, yeah. that's pretty industry standard. So now to be, yeah. Now to be fair, it's a it's anomalous for Tesla in particular because they don't make any earnings. Well, I was gonna say, yeah, I was I was about to dig into that. Tesla last year was the first year Tesla's ever been profitable. This year they're still profitable, but they've made more money selling their position on Bitcoin than they have automobiles. In fact, they've made more money this year selling their position on Bitcoin than they have ever made selling automobiles. And I love Elon Musk. I love Tesla. I think it's very ingenious. It's great. They're wonderful cars. My roommate has one. Great. I would love to own a Roadster one day if he actually puts the SpaceX package on it. But it's not like they're um, in an industry where other car companies can't replicate and compete. So I... No, and it's coming. I mean... Yeah, uh, it's Vol inevitable. Volkswagen, Volkswagen. Beamer. Uh, I mean, Porsche, they've got supercars uh, now. They've got... Toyota. Neo in China. Ford. I mean, everybody, the world's going electric and, yeah. you know, Ford has 120, 100, 100 years of experience. GM has a hundred years of experience. Uh, Tesla has one plant. Uh, look, I love Tesla. This is again, I love Elon. I was an, I was an early Tesla. I made a bunch of money on Tesla. Yeah. Right. And then they hit about 380 and I was like, this is overpriced. And then they went to 1800 split five ways and now they're back up to 1200. So look, it's the exact same problem. It is. So let, let's talk about something besides, let's talk about it broader yeah. than just the stock market, right? Absolutely. So, so you're making all this money in Bitcoin. You're making all this money in, in crypto and Tesla because of excess liquidity, right? They printed 6 trillion, 7 trillion in the last 24 months, less than that. Um, A lot. <laughs> I worry that this country is going to head towards a, a point of hyperinflation. Inflation is one of those things where, you know, the best way I've ever heard it described is like a ketchup bottle. You shake it and you smack it and you shake it and you smack it and nothing comes out and you shake it and nothing comes out and you smack it and nothing comes out. And then one time you smack it and your fucking plate is full of ketchup, <laughs> That's a, right? It's like, oh, too much. And now you can't get it back in the bottle. Yeah. And so 
hyperinflation, look up Zimbabwe, look up Venezuela, look uh, up Weimar Germany in 1923, right? Venezuela's they had some definitely the most recent, but uh, Weimar is the one that's in a uh, big debt crisis, right? Yeah. They're the most significant yeah. example because it, it led them to, uh, you know, the third Reich. Yeah, no, no big deal. <laughs> so, uh, this is what big debt crisis was about, except without the inflation problem. So now, you know, if he can rewrite it, I guarantee you, you'd have four four metrics in there. It was debt, political polarization, and uh, inequality. So, um, so I worry that you know all this money that we're making is going to be evaporated when, if hyperinflation comes, you know, I what if gas hits twelve dollars a gallon? You know, and in Weimar Germany, it was like a couple of million Reichsmarks to buy milk. And then by the end of the next day, it was like 10 times that. I mean, it was just, they were yeah. literally wheelbarrowing dollar. They were wheelbarrowing notes into the grocery store. So not to say that that will super happen, but, you know, people go, well, the Fed won't let that happen. And I'm like, okay, Bitcoin was created in 2009 as an answer to the irresponsibility of the Federal Reserve. And now... They're continuing to be, they've been more irresponsible since then now, but people, again, they do this, they look at Bitcoin, they look at the gains and then they're not, they're not reading the, the, they're, they're looking at the three-year play and they're not looking at how things have been affected for the last 15 and how or 20. overdue we are for some kind of a correction that's going to slow things down. Yeah. So what basically what's happened is the, the federal government has kept artificially low rates. They should have started raising them in 2016. Instead, they tried to raise in 17. Some people defaulted and they're like, oh no, we can't have anybody lose money. We can't have anybody default. This is where, so we left free market economy. As far as I'm concerned, we left free market capitalism in 2017. And we went to this position where the Federal Reserve is basically underwriting the risk of the American economy. And now they've been they're, they've handheld, they've handcuffed themselves. Now they can't raise rates. And so now here we are since 2009. In 2008, when the market crashed, the rate was at 6%. They dropped it to zero in one day all yep. at once, try to stimulate the economy. It still went slow. Now we're at zero. If the economy tanks, they have no tools. The yep. Federal Reserve has two tools. I don't know if anybody knows this. They, have two, they can only do two things. They can change rates and they can print money. These are the two ways that they combat deep recession. Yeah. Well, and we've done them both. We've done them and there's been no recession. So when there is a recession, we have nothing to combat it. Yeah, we got to come out of it. And the federal government is in more debt than it's ever been in its existence, 28 trillion, more than the GDP. So hyperinflation, I worry about. Collapsing value of the dollar, I worry about. Yeah. And so all this fun about like Bitcoin went up and Dogecoin, all this stuff, I'm like, dude, you might have a cultural collapse or a cultural problem of epic, unpredictable proportions that's gonna make your little, oh, I earned $50,000. It's like, yeah, well, now the dollar's not worth Great. anything. Now you can buy a gallon. Now you can buy a gallon of gas or, you know, whatever the case. So um, I don't want to funnel. I, you know, I, I bought gold last year, bro. People are buying Bitcoin. I'm buying gold. I'm worried. <laughs> yeah. So, and normally the answer for this is right. Like when people, I mean, we've all talked about it. You, me, we, like we've, we've talked about the buying inflation resistant assets with incredibly low debt, like the longest fixed rates of interest you can get. You're, you're buying, like I, we're, haven't closed the loan yet so hopefully nothing changes but we just locked in some killer 25 year financing on 79 units we're buying that is fixed with no balloon so for 25 years i'm gonna pay 4.75 percent interest no matter what the fuck happens in the market which i love because is that a is that a local commercial loan yeah so here's what is here's what's going on is callable? it huh is it callable if i miss or so, you mean in general? Because if we miss, maybe, you know, obviously, but no. If you not. miss, oh, everything's callable if you miss. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was going to say, no, not not otherwise. Okay. Everybody should check. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, the point there, right, is the, the play there is if inflation happens and appreciation and rates go up and we now have this asset that is going to benefit from all of those things theoretically without having a rate that's going to change or I'm not going to have to refinance in the middle or whatever, my question is, you know, a little bit, I mean, albeit you know more about e economics than I do. In fact, a lot of the economic stuff that I know, I can credit to you because you're the reason I read Big, Big Debt Crisis. You're the reason I read uh, Nassim Taleb. You're the reason I re read, read a lot of these 
uh, more complex books because you're good at finding them. And you tell me which ones not to read and which ones I should read, um, which is a great time saver for me. So uh, question is, do you have any idea how hyperinflation, because obviously that's the far end of the spectrum, right? And if the dollar deflates that much, it's not like my $100,000 house is going to jump to $2 million overnight, right? Nobody's going to, nobody's going to care about any of that stuff. So the question is, if the dollar like hyperinflates, like worst case scenario and goes into like, you know, wonderful Venezuela mode, like, does it even matter what you invested in? So the, okay. I don't actually think hyperinflation, I, I, I'm more of an optimist than I come off. Right. Uh, so I don't actually think, no, I'm more like, my position is more like uh, Warren Buffett. When others are greedy, be fearful. When others are fearful, be greedy. Right now, everybody is confident and greedy. And I'm like, that scares the shit out of me. Yeah. That's all I'm, that's all I'm really trying to say is like, when mm. everybody's confident, I'm the contrarian, I'm terrified. So I use hyperinflation as like a worry because I've been worrying about it for a while. And then it happened. So it was like, in my head, it's a little bit of confirmation bias where I was like, yo, the Federal Reserve's not raising rates. They're not raising rates. They're going to print money. They, it's the only thing they can do. Like they have to, and then they and then they did it. So now I'm like, yo, hyperinflation's next. Will it happen? I don't know. Janet Yellen came out today and said, we got to start raising rates. So my hope is they're going to raise rates, pay down, um, pay down some of this debt. They're going to slow the economy a bit. That's going to reduce buying power. That's going to reduce, um, that's going to, uh, reduce mortgage issuance. It's going to reduce home sales. It's going to reduce, it probably won't reduce home prices, but it will reduce, um, it, it will slow that purchasing power down. It will slow people's purchasing power when they- Yeah, it'll slow the number of offers because not as many people will qualify, but it won't tank the market, I don't think, because the inventory is still well, so low. At least so not It depends quickly. on what they do. It depends on what they do. So like, again, this is why history and economics are so important because people act like, like my mother's first mortgage in the 80s was 18%. Yeah. And that was, that was after a period of high inflation that they had in the 70s that they had to fix. So let's say that's, history doesn't repeat but it rhymes. So let's say we don't get hyperinflation, which is only not, not even a hundred years ago that happened in Weimar, Germany, and only seven years ago that happened in Venezuela. It's not un- impossible for it to happen, but we do have a little bit more sophisticated of a system than either of those two uh, economies. But let's say we just go into a place of high inflation and then high rates to correct. Um, the worry is volatility. It's not, it's, what it is, is it's a cascading effect. It's not that prices come down so fast. It's that liquidity dries up because people get scared. And now it's like, hey, look, lenders, the rates are higher. Um, things start defaulting. And then they're like, okay, fine. We'll, do a, we'll still do that loan at 6%, but we'll do it at 60% LTV. So now they're going to dry up all that liquidity. People are either going to spend it or they're going to save it. And so then, the, then everything starts, stops flowing. And let me tell you, the economy only works when it flows. In 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14, real estate was bottomed out and people were not buying. So what's funny to me is like, people are so bullish on real estate right now, but I remember when I told people, I'm gonna go into real estate and they're like, you're a lunatic. Did you just see what happened? Prices, you couldn't, you couldn't get a house bought. You couldn't get a loan for a house. You couldn't get hard money. There were no wholesalers. This was, this was only six years ago, seven years ago. I got talked so, out of my first, I tried to buy a house, like a live and flip in 2013. And some people right, told the, me it was dumb. I ended up buying in 2015. And I regret not buying in 13. But it was a lot harder to find money then yeah. because people were, the liquidity was low. People were sitting on the sidelines waiting. So right now, you know, we look at the Bitcoin and crypto investors, but I think mostly it's, I think it's mostly kids. And I mean, kids by 25 and under, sorry. Um, you know, younger people, I shouldn't say kids, right? I think it's mostly younger people. And so they are not, you know, the retail investor is not where the liquidity of the market comes, right? A lot of them are, um, you know, hard money lenders are, a lot of them come from institutional money and there's, there's, there's deep money up at the top. That's what's fueling the equities. Um, that's where the, all the stock buybacks came in the 2017 tax cuts. So I worry that when the, when the, when the train stops, right? If they raise rates half a percent, it's the game is going to be, the jig is up. Business won't stop. What's going to happen is you're going to start to see defaults, not in people's 30-year mortgages, but you're going to start to see them in business defaults. Because look, the whole SBA program is variable rate loan. No. And, and a lot of big, big loans are variable rate. They're like, look, we'll give you two and a half percent on that $25 million loan. We'll give you two and a half percent now, but it's variable, right? Didn't, don't you have a variable rate loan? Uh, we were going to, but then we talked him into this. Uh, 20, so we went from a 30 year to a 25 year and went fixed. It's a higher, it's a 
uh, a full point, uh, just shy of a full point higher now, but it's two and a half points lower than the ceiling would have been on the floating. And so it's one of those where if the loan stayed at the bottom, we would pay another $120,000 over the course of the loan and in interest. But if the loans floated up to the ceiling for the duration, we would pay an extra 1.4 million in interest. So it, the, the win is to take the fixed rate because eventually the rates have to come back up over the next 25 years. Did you, you did the right thing. Yep. R- rates, I do not believe, look, if rates stay as low as they are, this country is going to have a, this country is going to have a calamity because they, they cannot do this. They can't, if, if you could print money to prosperity, Zimbabwe and Venezuela would be the richest countries on earth. It doesn't work that way. You can't do that. It doesn't, it just doesn't work. I'm not saying it's not morally can't, it just economically doesn't work. You, you yeah. have to have, you know, we, anyways. Yeah. So um, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how long this is going to continue. Ironically, the reason that I think Dogecoin is not going to keep profitable, right? Because it's got an infinite supply of money coming. So the same thing. That's literally if you just printed money all the time. So just throwing that out there for those of you who are convinced that it's here to stay. Like if you make money in it, great, but pull your freaking profits. You can't go broke pulling profits back on track. Yeah, there's just so many economic, deep economic principles that that really are at play here and the new investor demographic is dismissing them because they're saying things like, well, the old economic uh, fundamentals Rumors. don't apply to Bitcoin. So none of that matters. And it's just like, you know what it reminds me of? Can I get philosophical on you? It reminds me in the, in the late 1800s, the Russians had a, uh, a secular revolution, a cultural secular revolution, a rationalist revolution. They said, we don't need, we don't need religion anymore. We're gonna go to rationalism. And um, we're going to install socialism, which was this r- rational thing. And um, it collapsed their culture to, to a fantastically like mega to a, it, it collapsed their country to where I think at the end, Stalin had killed like 28 million people. I mean, he didn't kill them directly. It was like starvation and, and whatnot. Right. So it, it reminds me of like, they, they're just rejecting the things that have held a country together for 500 years and they just learned how to use a cell phone or how to trade stocks within the last 18 months. And they're like, none of that old stuff matters because I'm making money in in Bitcoin and the old people don't understand. And I say, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe everything is different now and all the market fundamentals, but I will say this, you're still buying with cash. You're still buying it with cash. So it's the cash part is still playing market fundamentals. I mean, my favorite example, right? People go, Tesla's allowing Bitcoin. Tesla's Tesla's gotta buy Bitcoin. What'd you tell me? They freaking sold a lot of it. To in cash, they they wanted the cash. If they wanted the Bitcoin, they would have held the Bitcoin. Instead, they wanted the cash. So um, I don't know what's going to happen. I am skeptical. The more people are confident, the more that I'm skeptical. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, the to perfect on, world situation. Go ahead. Sorry. I've to talk on that exact point, right? So two things. One, I, I mentioned today, everybody in my office over the last six months has gone from like, nobody hangs out. And I don't, you can't have cell phones in my office. So they hang out in the lobby outside. Used to be a few people out there on the phone talking, texting, whatever. Now it's a whole lot of people out there on the phone that all of a sudden are all day traders, right? So that kind of scares me. But to talk to you, your your point, right? Like the this time it's different theory. Um, even if the market is completely different, right? Like 100% crypto changes the world and all that stuff, which I don't think is the case. There's one massive component in that that won't change. Humans are emotionally fucking rack, like irrational, right? This whole thing reeks of emotion. And if you see the posts on my Facebook page with how angry and like angrily people are defending their position, yes, fucking read that book. If you haven't read Fooled by Randomness, I'm actually about to read it again, I think, because- Hey, oh. uh, in 2022, I'm going to do a reread of all my favorite books of all time, and I'm going to make it really public. So how about you wait? I'll read and it. I'll make a, I'll make I'll a big so public much more thing time. About- I'll make a big public thing about it. And maybe we'll do some YouTube uh, content about it and be like, you know, I'd love to do like week to week updates and I'll schedule out a whole year's worth of reading of like my favorite stuff. And I'll go over it with people maybe like week by week. That'd be amazing. I'm down. Um, sorry, but yeah, fooled by randomness. People, people act like the fundamentals are different. It's like the fundamentals to your point are based on human emotion and they are, they have not changed. If you and thought people got full swing right now, nobody is oh. investing in this calmly. No, 
it's all it's all mania and you know it's so it's it look they did it in the 20s the roaring 20s they did it there was it was uh i greenspan had a greenspan had a famous speech in the 80s where he he said there's no irrational exuberance in the market and then black monday came along and the market tanked 40 percent in a day like weeks don't later make, don't and make me go grab my tulip mania freaking poster that's framed in my kitchen downstairs Tulip mania. Bernanke, the Federal Reserve Chairman, in, uh, during the, the financial collapse, he said the same thing. He goes, there's no problem with the submar- subprime market. 90 days later, we had a global economic meltdown. That The problem with these things is that it's not the crypto market that will collapse that causes all the damage. It's the catalyst that creates a chain reaction of, it's like a bank run. A bank run is when we live in a fractional reserve. Uh, we have a fractional reserve economic system, banking system, which means the banks, you know, they have a million dollars in deposits, but they, but, but then they, they issue out loans for 800,000. So if all the million dollars worth of people went back to the bank and to get their money in one day, the bank would seize, right? So we don't have the cash. And then the whole economy yank, it just, it, it seizes up. It's called a bank run. And they, they have, there's a lot of reasons. That's what happened in 08. That's, this is how it always happens, right? It's like people get scared. They all go get their money at once. And then it turns into a chain reaction. So it's not that crypto inherently is the problem. It's that because of it's so um, irrational and so exuberant, I think that uh, my friend, our friend Russell Brazil is like, dude, crypto is going to be the catalyst of the next collapse because it's so irrational. It's extremely volatile. Yeah. All right. So here's the question. Oh, wait, first, let me run around like I got something really smart to say and grab a book that obviously has something to Oh. Oh, oh, shameless plug. <laughs> and Alex runs off in his pink shirt. Uh, for those of you who aren't watching the show and you're just listening, I'm holding up my new book, which I'm going to now promo while he's run off to go find something. Uh, the No Bullshit Guide to Military Life, How to Build Wealth, Get Promoted and Achieve Greatness. So if you want to learn my thoughts on all this stuff, actual sound investing. So, oh, look at that. Alex has his copy. Bro, let me tell you something. If yeah. you guys didn't see my Instagram, for those who didn't see it, uh, I made a very, well, I thought it was a punchy, but sincere little uh, thing about David's book. Bro, you did, you did, this is the proudest I've ever been of you. This is amazing. <laughs> I don't I mean, know if that's I, saying I, I, much. I appreciate well, it, but. <laughs> I mean, this is probably, to me, this is the one of the most impressive, this is the most impressive thing that you've done. This is amazing. And I, I look, I'm not going to read all of it because it's not for me. And you know that, yeah. Uh, but I, I looked, I gave it a, a a solid skim, right? I gave it a solid skim. And dude, you did. It is organized. It is concise. It is useful. It is pragmatic. It isn't rambling. It's not narcissistically somehow all about you, which is what I worry that I would do. I hired but, an editor. That's why I was dude, like, cut me out. You of did fantastic. You did so good, and. Let's, let me read this real quick. Ready? So I'm, I'm skimming through this book, right? David wrote me a nice little note. He wrote me a handwritten note on the front and, uh, and I'm skimming through this thing. And at the end I see, uh, acknowledgements. I'm like, Oh shit. You know, I'm one of David's closest friends, I think. So maybe I'm in here and there's, there's a couple of people here and I was like, okay, boom. And then, and then I see this straight up verbatim, Alexander Felice, fuck you. Yo, I sat in my I sat in my room and laughed for so long. I sat in my house and just laughed to myself. Alexander Felice, fuck you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I can't believe you text that you put that in. Writing. There's I more love- in there. I think that's the only time in the entire book that I actually use the F word. I'm not there. There might be. I did throw some swearing in there. I can't remember. There might be some more, but that is definitely the only time that it is that blunt. The entire book. So you're welcome. I figured there would be no one who would appreciate that as much as you. I was tickled. And you know what? Uh, but I'll tell you what. Um, so for anybody who um, anybody who hasn't pre-ordered this, like, I highly recommend the book, uh, especially if it's, you know, if it's if you're still kind of on your first, mm, say, three to five years of investing or um, you're in your first your first four years four to five years of military life. This is a highly valuable book. Secondly, um, if nothing else, you know, I'll, I'll buy a few copies to support you and give them away. Uh, and I'd love for our listeners to say, look, you know, David did an incredible job here. You, you should buy his book because one day you might want to read a book, write a book, and you're going to want, you know, 
I always say people go, oh, you should give your friends discounts. And I'm like, no, if you, if you can't make profit off your friends, then how are you gonna make profit off your enemies, <laughs> right? Yeah. So like your friends should support you. So uh, I'm gonna buy a copy, I'm, I appreciate this one. In fact, actually, uh, I've been seeing this new girl and she goes, what you should do is with the new copy is rip this page out, highlight it in pink and frame it. And that's what we're gonna do. That's what <laughs> we're gonna do. I would be flattered. You also took the best, I paid a Fiverr person to do some product photography online, you know, just like digital stuff, but the photo you sent me was awesome. So I'm going to use that in some of my marketing stuff. So I appreciate it. Well, don't do it. Don't do that yet, actually, because if you give me a little bit of time, um, I have a, I didn't tell you this yet, but I have a photo shoot planned with my photography buddy here in town. And we're going to do something. We're going to do something big, I appreciate bigger. It. Yeah. All right. Um, and then lastly, uh, I'm a bookaholic. I don't know if you know this. And, um, I've been wanting to write a book for a while. That's why I started blogging. In 2016, 17, I called Jay Scott, who I only barely knew at the time. And I was like, dude, you wrote three books. How do you write a book? He's like, just write a little bit every day. And then when I saw you writing this book, I, I you know, you're, you work hard. You have a good work ethic. So I didn't necessarily didn't think you could do it, but I wasn't sure you were going to produce, but you pr produce something here fantastic. And I just watched you do it. You know, we're sitting here podcasting day to day and you, it took you about what? Nine, nine, ten months to do it. Uh, physically writing was less than four, but then the editing and audio and audiogram and everything else—that stuff all takes. The, that's the lengthy part. That doesn't matter though. The hard part's the four or five months to write. So um, you did it. In addition, you know, I'm sitting here complaining about doing podcasts with you after you have a full day's worth of work, and then you're building this on the side too, dude. This is so impressive. And you know what? Um, between you and some other people that have inspired me over the last few years. That's why I started blogging. And I feel like I've, I've gotten a good way of putting my voice out. Like you've really inspired me this week. I started, I started putting out, doing a table of contents for something I want to write. Cause I think not to say that because you did it, I can do it. I don't want to say that. What I'm saying is um, you inspired me to do it because this is, this is incredible. I appreciate it. I'm happy to share any context that, you know, I got to help and feedback and, you know, learn a lot some, so i yeah i know i gotta get i gotta get um i gotta get 250 or 300 words on paper first yeah no absolutely Any, anything you got i got answers all right uh so i know we, we can't talk too much longer no one's gonna watch this right because they'll be like holy shit two hours Ugh. um we're and not they, we're not they, that they close love, they love us they're gonna listen to the whole thing Here, here's my question what's the advice you give for somebody as far as starting as an investor with all this chaos and hype going on? Because it's a lot easier to say, yeah, just ignore it and stay sound. Then, I mean, that's pretty much the right answer. My, my answer has been like, read Simple Path to Wealth, read Set for Life, like read some of these books that are about like basic principles for getting started. But um, I think Fooled by Randomness is a good one um, for this, but it's not an entry-level read. So I'd be curious what you think as far as like, if you were Nick the New Guy right now, what do you wish someone was telling you like, you know, I mean, index funds aren't sexy and everyone's telling you to stay out of them because crypto, but. This is a really hard question. Um, I'll say a few things, <clears throat> a few things. One, uh, the game is long. The game, the game is your whole life. So like I got 65 more years. I don't have to make all my money in two years. Um, so that's one play the ultra long game, not the five-year long game, not the 10 year long game, play the lifelong game. You don't have to make it all right now. Um, two, never take on risk of ruin. That's never book. take on risk of ruin. Say it again. So that's in the book. Literally, a, literally from a, you, that term is in there. That's a, that's a Taleb. Yeah, that's I a know. Taleb thing. <laughs> but it's from never you. Cause I've, you were the reason I read Taleb. Uh, so there's an interesting thing he says, he goes, he goes, you know, people who lose everything, they're okay with it. People who lose half, they commit suicide. Isn't that noticeable? Yeah. So, um, but, but you don't want to like, you don't want to lose, don't take on risk of ruin. If you're worth, if you got $5,000 in the bank and you put $3,000 in crypto, you're gonna be a sad puppy. There's a high likelihood that you're gonna be a very sad puppy. Um, play the long game, never take on risk of ruin. This is the hardest advice that I could give, but it's like probably the best one. Um, all of the good wisdom and information of the world has been written before your time. And so people who, if somebody, let me put it this way. Let me put it a little bit more, a little more 
uh, uh, usable way. Anybody who has learned investing of any kind since 2008, when the market's only been up, my, myself and David included, yep. don't learn from us. Learn from people who have been doing it from in up and down markets, preferably multiple. I, I can't, I, I could probably think of more, but those are the, uh, those are the, those are the big ones. Learn from people who have been experienced from more than, more than one up and down cycle. Try to read books, like stop trying to get, I mean, nuance is complicated. And like David said, this is a, this is not an easy read. No. And this is the easiest it's of the five. One. It's a good one though. It's a very good one, but it's not for the faint of heart, right? In fact, I think that might be one of the first books that, well, never mind. Uh, a bunch of people have recommended that one to me, but Black Swans is probably his most popular one. Black Swans is the most popular <laughs> one, which is, you know, in Black Swan, he wrote it in 2007. And then the market, he said, oh yeah, we're going to have a crash in the Fannie Mae system because of the way that they're, they're doing the risk and the derivatives. And then six months later, the global economy collapsed. So uh, that- In perspective, your advice on uh, up and down markets, right? I'm, I'm- not going to say too much about this as far as topic, but there's a venture that I'm looking at potentially for down the road. And uh, so I've been talking to people, kind of picking people's brains, trying to learn a little bit about the industry, you know, whatever. And so I've talked to a few people who've done, started this up in the next last three years, five years, 10 years, whatever. And yeah, it's been okay conversations. They give me a little bit of advice, you know, whatever. I had dinner with somebody last night. I got it set up. A friend of mine's mom was in this business and built a business and whatever for 40 years. We had dinner. And I got to pick her brain about upturns, downturns, best times in the market to start if you were looking to and all. I mean, the difference in insight. I mean, I have like full pages of notes and action items as opposed to tidbits of information here and there. And I mean, it's just nuts how much more valuable it was to be able to talk about like, okay, well, if you were to pick the perfect time in the market to try to start this, when would it be? What would that look like? What do I need to do in this time? What do I need to watch out for here? What do I need to be doing here to prepare for this? And I mean, a lot of it's the same as all investing principles because this is still a financial uh, you know, endeavor, but man, it was so much more valuable to talk to someone who'd done it for 40 years through four market swings, as opposed to somebody who's just done it over the last five, 10 years. And obviously there's experience over 40 years by five to 10 years, but a lot of that comes from these swings. So love yeah. it. That's what anti-fragility is. It's, it's getting better from, from downswings, getting better from systems that when they have disorder. So everybody's a genius in an up market. You're learning from people who there's an unbelievable tailwind. It's like saying, well, you know what the problem is right now is people are, they're earning 15% returns in a market that's up 20. Yeah. And then they're teaching other people how to invest. <laughs> yeah. I, and so, one of my favorite phrases that I've been repeating over the last little bit, aside from the, you can't go broke taking profit. So, you know, when you make a ton of money on a gamble, at least pull your principal out so you can't lose if it comes back down. Um, I've been pulling principal plus some, and then, you know, I'll let the last little bit ride and see what happens. But uh, that's what I did with Doge. I've made two, I turned 200 bucks into 2000 when it, like I had it sit there for like five months, but when it jumped, I took the 2000 out and I left the last 200 in for a while. And then I was able to pull another thousand out of it. So, um, but Another great one that people hate is uh, past performance doesn't indicate future success. So just because you made money doing it doesn't mean you're going to keep making money doing it. Acknowledge, like there is nothing inherently wrong with being speculative and gambling on some of this stuff, especially if you're young and you can afford the risk. I'm all for it. But acknowledge that you're being speculative and acknowledge that you're gambling and don't pretend that it's sound investment advice. There was a screenshot I sent Alex today where someone said, play it safe, invest 50% in Ethereum and Bitcoin. And I kind of thought they were joking. So I, you know, replied and I was like, yeah, I was like, quote, play it safe. And then you discuss the most volatile asset class out there. Like, ha ha ha, I get it. And the guy was like, no, you got to like risk big to win big. I was like, that's not playing it safe though. Like you're pawning this as advice and go to find out the guy, just, you know, just started investing in crypto and stocks within the last three months. But it's like, Bro, don't be don't be publicly telling somebody to the answer to their savings account question is to play it safe by investing in something that's not safe at all just because you won on one piece of it one time. That's like you got to acknowledge that it's risky, acknowledge that it's gambling, acknowledge that it's speculative. It absolutely has a place in your portfolio if treated and respected the right way. It's like riding a bull. You wouldn't jump on a three thousand pound bull and say, "There's no way I can get hurt from this." 
There's nothing wrong with riding a bull. People do it all the time, but acknowledge there's a risk and treat it the right way. It is not the responsibility of the random moron on the internet to be careful about his words. It is the responsibility of the listener to understand that most people who are talking to you are morons and not to listen to them. So, uh, yeah, look, (laughs) to your point about survivorship bias, right? I I won, therefore I'm right, right? Um, Mm. Inevitably, crypto will skyrocket. It'll stay there forever. And then everyone will say, Alex, you were so wrong. (laughs) But the game is long. um, And you don't want to be, you know, for me, I invest for two reasons. Increase freedom, reduce stress. I do not invest to make money. That's not my, that's not my end goal. So anytime that like, you're sitting there like, oh, uh, I invest this $200 and now I'm up to 2000 and I'm sitting here like, dude, the time and the effort and the stress of that to make two or even $8,000, the stress of it, I can't do it. It's not a good fit for me. Um, I can't afford to lose $8,000. I mean, I can't afford to lose $8,000, but I- that's why I don't research it. I literally just open the app, say, oh, this one dropped 25%, hundred bucks. Cause I wouldn't want to put the money into it either or the time. I'm not telling you what to do or what's rational. What I'm saying is like, everybody has to play their own game. Like if you're just sitting there going, if you're getting FOMO, fear of missing out and you want to go invest in this stuff, like go for it. But also, you know, it's the blind leading the blind out there. So I don't know anybody prudent, right? Charlie Munger just came out and he's like, dude, crypto. mm -mm." Nassim Taleb was a Bitcoin bull. And now he's like, it's a Ponzi scheme. It's a scam. It's, it's not what it's, it, it, it is not what it started out to be. It was supposed to be a decentralized currency that was low on volatility and high on usability. And now it's just mania. I want to say this publicly because I've been talking about it a little bit. Uh, and I wanted to go on record saying it. Not, not that I'm ever going to be the guy who goes, ah, I told y'all so. I called it. Make me so rich off this scheme where I now say I made this one prediction right. But my theory on Bitcoin right now, or crypto, cryptocurrency in general, right, and blockchain technology and all that, I absolutely think it's going to stay around. I think there's some very viable uses for it, and technology is awesome. Like it's going to change the world, right? Absolutely, not against it at all. My thought currently on crypto is that it's like the dot com bubble, and I feel like twenty to thirty percent of these coins that are around right now will be around in three to five years. And 70, 80%, maybe not that much, but a lot of them will have gone the way of the dodo and been replaced by new coins or not at all. Just like pets.com, which has disappeared and now there's other companies in its place. So while I believe in the technology, problem is it's a technological thing, right? And technology double, they say it doubles every year, right? So, or whatever. So that's Moore's law. Yep. Yeah. So like Moore's law, Bitcoin's already been, there's already two or three coins that do what Bitcoin does faster with less energy. There's already coins that do what Ethereum does faster with less energy. There's already coins that do this, and there's already different ways to do this. And so they might have created the, the blue ocean, but other coins are coming. And with tech comes increases in ability, and, and people are worried about the green. So while I believe the technology is here to stay and it's going to change a lot of things like taking title on property and all these other cool things nfts and and, you know whatever like stuff is here to stay i don't think it's going to stay like these 4900 tokens or whatever that are in existence i think like a thousand of them will be i think a thousand of these might be here in three to five years and a whole bunch of other stuff that we've never heard of will be but uh you can't tell me that like omg coin dogecoin and cum rocket which is yeah that's a real one that came out like two three days ago and saw a 75 percent increase this week 300 percent in one day yeah like you can't tell me that those are things that are going to be solid business models going forward long-term and some of them might be, but it's not. I mean, yeah, but not it's just like, it's like any technology. It's new. It's fancy. It's cheap to get in. So everybody's all hyped up on it, but it'll change. You know, it'll change the car. Early cars were, um, there were, there were a lot of electric cars when, when cars first came out and they're like, this sucks. We got to get a, we got to get some gasoline. Right. And then now we're like, going back to electric cars. Like, okay, it took a hundred years, maybe a bad example, but it's like, you know, it was, it was DVDs, right. It was DVDs. And then it was what we weren't sure if it was going to be Blu-ray or what was the other one? Uh, HD, uh, HD DVD, the Sony one or whatever it was. Right. It was like, that's how it is. It was, is it VHS or is it Betamax? Like you have this thing come out and then guess what? Now both of them are gone. So 
Yeah. Technology is going to change. My 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 opinion is still and and continue will 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 continue is the United States Federal Reserve is going to come out with a crypto dollar. It's going to be highly reliable. It's going to be usable damn near everywhere. It's going to be backed by the FDIC. And when your average ding dong, right, your average person wants to use crypto, they're going to use the one that's that's sure. They're not going to want to go off and trade in something that's going to be volatile. That's the whole point was to get rid of the volatility. So. Bro, we talked yeah. about this for two hours and we didn't even mention our sponsorship. So let's call this a night. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Uh, whoops. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from military to slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.